Quinlan lifted up his arm and took a whiff. The vinegar smell wasn't great, but much better than that mowing stank. He had to endure an entire night of explaining to his mom what happened. Now his mom always told him that even on a good day, he'd find himself into trouble. But she didn't get that it wasn't his fault. Okay, that's a lie. Most of the time it was indeed his fault, but most of the time when he did something wrong, it was in response to something worse. I just react, he'd say. It was his go-to excuse. He stole the quote from a professional athlete. Bet you couldn't tell. But God, why the hell did that Franken-creature need to hit him twice? The event played on repeat inside his head. He couldn't predict what was heading through the creature's mind, but he didn't deserve it. He was being nice. Not anymore. Quinlan gripped the gun. He pictured a pellet zipping out its barrel through the woods and popping the mowing on its ass. It wouldn't kill the creature, just sting him good. Good enough to think twice before firing his stank. Now the ammo manufacturer boasted that each pellet was tipped in lacinite. Feel the control. That was its tagline. Feel my balls more like it, Quinlan thought. Kinetic control requires more than lacinite. It's, it's like a rhythm. You either got it or you don't. Quinlan had it. Had it in spades. That he knew for sure. And if the rain would let up, he could give that moan a demonstration. He tightened his grip on the gun and looked down the barrel. And as if on cue, the raindrops reduced to a pitter-patter. Quinlan stood and slowly made his way out of the ferns. The main trail zigzagged from the opening, then veered directly toward the cliff and the giant hundred or so foot high waterfall that gave the spot its name, Silver Falls. Back in the day, a government work crew had cut a winding series of steps right into one side of the granite cliff. The steps were primarily used by miners. They used the cascading waterfall to power a small silver sifter, hence the name. Anyhow, the staircase was the only way down, or at least the only safe way down. So Quinlan took his sweet time on the descent. In the 200 years or so of foot traffic, the steps remained passable, but dangerous nonetheless for a simple reason. The steps collected moss. Moss is slick. Every couple of years or so, a drunk would wander up to the falls, forget about the green fuzz, slip, and fall to his death. Or, as Quinlan's mom liked to joke, find the cure for alcoholism. Now at the bottom of these stairs, a tiny footbridge ran over a tiny mountain creek. And after safely negotiating the steps, Quinlan stood on that bridge, leaned over its rail, and looked down at the water. It was peaceful, calm. It always shocked him that such a raging waterfall could turn into something so tranquil so quick. He stopped the thought and focused on his mission. It's simple, like simple, simple. Just walk a couple clicks down the trail, get to a stump, turn left, go directly upside the valley into a thicket of sword ferns, plant your ass down, and from there, you can see any animal walking down the trail, giving you a free shot from above. Height. It's always your friend. The hardest part, he knew, was the waiting. Moans run on their own schedule. Some are nocturnal, some are semi-diurnal, some nine to five. And some, some just come at you trotting down the trail as if written in some book. Like the one negotiating the steep steps Quinlan just walked. Quinlan bolted off the bridge and dove into the brush. No way, he thought. No 
freaking way. The chances of seeing the beast were like nothing, and the chances of him not noticing me on the bridge were, were like nothing squared. Sometime later, he'd realize what a poor decision it had been to hunt the moan. And in the next hour, the moan would learn a painful lesson too. But right now, Quinlan was busy being motionless. The moan made its way to the bottom of the steps and approached the bridge. If the animal sensed him, it didn't show it. The moan was focused on more important things, elderberries. It pushed its snout into a bush of them and took a couple bites. Quinlan stared, and at that moment, an old grade school rhyme came to him. Feed the moan, feed his belly, happy moan, never smelly. The animal finished eating, walked over the bridge, and then another half click or so farther down the trail. Then it paused and sniffed the air. Quinlan felt his stomach drop for a second. He still stank like something ripe. But somehow, the animal didn't smell him. It turned for the deep woods. Quinlan stalked from behind, thanking God for placing him downwind. The moan couldn't smell him. And it probably wouldn't hear the crunch of fur needles underneath his feet. Nah, all the animal heard now was the faint echo of the falls. A bunch of peaceful sounding noise to lull it into a false sense of security. Nothing to worry about. Keep calm and carry on, Quinlan thought. He peered into the dense underbrush where the moan had departed the trail. Just ten feet or so in was a small opening in the ground. Like a tiny entrance to a cave. It was the den. It had to be the den. The entrance was black and still and motionless. It had a long overhang. Anything below it got bathed in a dark shadow. And the moan, for all he knew, could be sitting a couple inches from the opening, completely hidden in the blackness, its ass ready to blast. Quinlan didn't take any chances. He lined the gun up and cleared his thoughts. Exhaled halfway out, slowly squeezed the trigger, and concentrated on the pellet. It came out of the barrel of the gun. That's when he tried to imagine steering it with his mind, down a tad, left a hair, now dead straight. He knew he wasn't doing anything, but part of him felt like it helped. It may have. He hit the dead center of the den. Perfect shot. He heard a quick yelp of pain, and then nothing. Nothing but a searing headache, and he started to spin. The forest went black. The cadet stood outside the door trying to ignore all those stories she'd heard. Because her peers tried to scare her. Wives' tales and stuff. It didn't work. Her skin was thick as shit. It started off when her mom died during birth. And her dad, an asshole of a drunk, celebrated that very night by donating her to a church. And after that was a string of new places all filled with the same shitheads who picked on her in the same way. Bullies use the same tactics, scare and repeat. Whatever, I know all the stories fucktards, the cadet had responded. Now, the ribbing started the second after she received the official letter announcing her requirement to work the ceremony, or the oath, as her superiors spoke of it. But her bunkmates wouldn't let up. The stories continued well past sundown. They told her how cadets never returned from the oath, 
how Central had them transferred to other bases, foreign bureaus, or far-off boot camps where the only other connection to life was a hand-cranked radio. And for the rest of the cadets' lives, their fingernails were permanently stained with blood. Now, each cadet then tried to describe the darkest possible reasoning for this. Now, skinning flesh and scooping guts were always crowd-pleasers. Then there was genetic manipulation, lie, and other forms of chemical torture. Those were popular theories, too. Now, how they even ever knew about the fingernails is anyone's guess. But any government is a leaky ship. People like to talk. And over the years, of all these stories about the blood... Only one story came close. The stains came from a toxic cleaning substance used to wash the floor of the execution chamber to a glossy sheen. The chemical stained skin, and they didn't provide gloves to the cadets. Now, that's not quite the truth. It's close, but it's not true. The real truth was far worse. And there she was about to find out. She'd taken the train to Central that morning, and during the trip, she couldn't so much as choke down a cracker. She was too busy looking over her orders, trying to see if there were a trick. Just, it's it's just way too easy, she thought. This can't be right. You will be led to a door. The orders read, when you are alone, open the door, walk into the adjoining room. There, you'll find a man. Nod to him, but do not speak lead him to a large mirror directly opposite the door. There's a latch on its top left corner. Trip it. The mirror will swing open. Motion the man to walk through. And only the man to walk through. Close the mirror behind him. Exit the room the way you came. Close the door behind you and wait for further instructions. It was so simple. She didn't believe it. But orders are something to follow not something to think about. And she didn't have much time to think anyway, because the trip to Central was quick. A guard met her at the railway station. The tall, emotionless man escorted her through a side door. It led to a subway car, and this whisked them off to Central Command. Then it was one locked door after another. Pins punched, eyes scanned, and locks released. The two wound their way deeper and deeper into the building. She started to feel the air cooling, but she couldn't tell where she was. The place was like a labyrinth inside a maze. Blank hallways, steel doors, all the same. They walked on for another hour, at least. Then the guard stopped. There, he pointed to a door and then left. The cadet's eyes opened wide. Before her loomed two gigantic doors made of white oak, strong and pale, with big brass handles. They looked as though they were the first doors ever installed at Central. And truth be told, they were. It's all that separated her from the stories. She glanced at her fingernails and took a deep breath. Remember, she thought, it's all bullshit. All of it. Just follow your fucking orders and get it over with. The cadet took hold of a brass hanger gave it a hard tug, and the door opened smoothly. She walked into the room and nearly fainted at the sight. Quinlan awoke with a shake. 
He'd been flat to the ground for who knows how long. His head felt dull. The ache was gone, but something was left. He wasn't sure what. But he never dropped his gun, and that made him proud. He holstered it and got to his senses, turned over onto his stomach, peered back at the den. Silence. The minutes crept by at an excruciating pace. Time seemed to slow down, to freeze, to hibernate as all his thoughts focused on the dark entrance, praying for something, anything, to emerge from its depths. Nothing. Nothing. Wait, he thought. I'm a freaking tool. No animal makes a home with only one entrance, or at least not one that survived this long. Quinlan scanned the area to his left. Spanish moss, alders, sword ferns, fine maple, normal foliage. Now to the right. Just more of the same except for another hole. Now it was hard to catch. Plants had almost grown over the entire entrance. But if you squinted ever so carefully, you could just make out a giant snout sticking out of it, like a periscope. Quinlan watched the two black nostrils inhale a couple times. The moan was trying to determine if any predators were in the area. Once satisfied, the moan emerged from the darkness, arm by arm, and what an entrance it made. The two stripes were not so much white as they were electric. The animal was ginormous. Some trophy hunter would blow his load over this thing, Quinlan thought. Pay a pretty penny to have it stuffed and mounted beside a fireplace. Now the moan barely squeezed its hind end out of the back entrance. The fit was tight. It just made it through. And God, its shoulder muscles formed striations. Definitely not an animal to mess with. And to Quinlan's surprise... It walked without injury. Quinlan was positive he'd hit it, though. Had to. The shot was true. Or was it? The moan made his way back to the front entrance of the den. It stuck its head in, bent down, and clamped onto something with its jaw. Quinlan couldn't quite make it out, but it looked furry, soft, and limp. The moan dropped it outside. Quinlan crawled ahead on his stomach just a couple feet for a better look. Not the best of ideas. A twig snapped underneath him. The moan bolted back in the den. Damn it to hell, Quinlan thought. The moan won't be coming out anytime soon now. He'd spooked it good. But the moan didn't attack either. And that was strange. Although, after the stench soaking he had yesterday, Quinlan figured it was probably out of juice. Anyhow, Quinlan stood up and looked toward the back entrance of its den. Whatever it had in its mouth rested there in a heap. Quinlan moved to the left for a better look. Laid bare in front of him was a tiny creature with a soft black pelt and two white stripes down its back. Near its chest was a red blotch. Blood pulsed out of it. He would later record this moment in his memoir, Chapter 2, Shame. For Quinlan Cole had just killed a pup. The minute it sunk in, the pressure returned to his head. The pain was unlike anything he'd ever felt. Not so much a headache, but rather like a fire igniting from one ear to the other. He cradled his head in his hands, and then came his dad's voice, like some ethereal spirit, circling around him with disdain. Remember, Quinlan, nothing but trouble comes out of that gun.